Welcome, this is Voice of Change, a syndicated radio broadcast and podcast airing since 2011. Voice of Change is committed to raising the leader in you. And because time is the unit of life, I assure you that the next few minutes you have decided to invest in your own leadership journey will be rewarded with a definite paradigm shift. Are you ready for a paradigm shift? Then stay with me on Voice of Change. I promise to take us on a journey on the history of Nigeria on Voice of Change. Why is it important to look into the history of Nigeria? First, I found an alarming and disheartening lack of knowledge of Nigerian history. People made statements, especially during the last election, that showed a dumbfounding dearth of knowledge. Like saying people from a people group had never at any time ruled in the country. I discovered that people did not even know the ethnicity of those who had ruled in the country, either as president, prime minister, or in the military coup. They just took whatever anybody told them. So any narrative that was sold to them was good enough, even when it was a lie. I discovered that people didn't even know who ran for what office. As little as four years ago in Nigeria, people did not know political alliances that had been forged and blended over the years. Therefore, they made statements, pardon me, that were astonishing in its ignorance. That's when I remembered one of my favorite sayings, it is better to light a candle than to cast the darkness. There is no point thinking that 50 year olds will know recent history as recent as four years ago or know history as far back as 1956 and 1966 and 1960. The little I know that is verifiable, verifiable, not myths, not fairy tales, I should offer on the platform that I have. Therefore, the first reason why we're undertaking this journey is that you, my listener, will not lack knowledge. Secondly, when we do not know history, we repeat the worst mistakes of history. But when we know our history, we are in a position to learn from our mistakes and to also learn from our successes to ensure that what benefits us is what we choose to repeat and to do. We learn from history, either to avoid mistakes or to build on what benefits us. The third reason, and we'll have more reasons as we go along, but the third reason that is so important today is that history shapes our identity. We can choose to understand and reject an identity that we do not want to be branded with. However, we must first know what identity history has bequeathed us with or history has molded us into being before we decide to reject it or embrace it. Take, for instance, the Ukraine-Russian war that is going on right now. It is making history. Children born henceforth will inherit two types of parents. 
parents that choose to brand their children with a memory of this war, negative or positive, children whose parents present the war in such a way that the prejudices and the biases of the parents do not need to be passed on to the next generation. Every nation is what it is today because of its history. France was a monarchy, a monarchy that was ruled, not governed, but ruled by a son king. I remember as a child being taken to Chateau Versailles by my parents as a three-year-old and working through the vast gardens, what was just a summer retreat, the summer palace of Louis XIV. I saw the vast splendor, and even as a toddler, I was not shocked that things had to change. And change did come in the nature of the revolution. Till today, the socialist ideals formed in the crucible of the revolution still informs the way the French society is constructed. That revolution spread throughout the whole of Europe, reaching Russia, toppling the Tsar, virtually wiping out most of the monarchies. But Britain managed to keep its own monarchy. And King Charles will be crowned king because the British monarchy managed to reinvent itself, learning quickly from the history of France, the history of Russia, and reinventing itself before the British monarchy was also swept away by the revolutionary ideology that was sweeping Europe. History gives us boundaries, guides us. We can learn from history and therefore conduct our affairs with wisdom. But there's more to come on this as we look at the history of Nigeria and we'll be back right after this break. See them Voice of Change is offered by AB Consulting and Awesome Treasures Foundation Partners. Subscribe to Voice of Change Podcast today and don't miss a single episode. Welcome back to Voice of Change. I'm your host, Ola Jumoke Adenowa, and you can follow me on Instagram at Jumoke Adenowa. And don't forget to get the podcast even for your friends and introduce them to Voice of Change. The history of Nigeria would go back as far as when Nigeria was called Guineland by the Portuguese in the 1400s. Around 1444, the Portuguese society first came in contact with black Africans. Ten Africans were taken to Portugal as a gift to Prince Henry the Navigator, the King of Portugal. And they were called Guineas for the word black because they were darker than anyone the Portuguese society had seen as of that time. Guineland was what most of West Africa was known as at that time. And I will be quoting very, very well-researched sources. Not old wives' tales, not politically convenient narratives, but the truth. Nigeria had many indigenous polities before the British took control in the late 19th century. According to the Encyclopedia Britannica in the North, there were several large undeveloped systems the house estates were Kano, Katsina, Zaria, Gubil, Kanemborno, which will be a Kanuri state. The Jukun states will be around what we call the Middle Belt now, where the Kwarafa, the Kona, the Pinduga, the Wukari. There were smaller kingdoms like the Igala, the Nupe, the Ebera. And in the south, we have the Yoruba states of Ife, of Oyo. Oyo Empire stretched 
from parts of the Republic of Benin all the way to almost the Middle Belt. The Edo state of Benin, the Shekari state of Wari, the Efik state of Calabar, and the Ijo states of Nembe, Calabari, Boni, and Okrika. These were the structured city-states with defined rulers that Nigeria had before the British took over. Why is it important to note the kingdoms or the empires or the states that were in pre-colonial Nigeria? For me, it's always been important to know how we governed ourselves before democracy. Seeing that we struggle so much with the Western form of democracy, how did we govern ourselves? How did the people groups govern themselves? Yes, we went to war with each other, like every state and nation in the world went to war with each other, and still do, but we had systems that worked. It is important to have a history of kingdoms and empires and trading kingdoms and empires because this informs the way a people group engages others diplomatically, very important, understands how to coexist when cobbled together in a first union, understands how to tolerate others, understands how to host understand how to be a guest in other people's lands. As a practicing architect and a student of heritage architecture, I came across the fact that the walls of Yoruba palaces called Afin had guest rooms built in them. Why? The market squares were always in front of the upper palaces and strangers would come and trade. A British captain documented the state of Ijayu in Yoruba land in the 1800s and said that from as far away as Timbuktu and Turkey, traders came to trade in the town of Ijayu. Many times, of course, the traders will not be able to return and they would have to have safe haven. What was safer than the walls of the Obers Palace itself? While they did not breach the territorial integrity or the boundaries of the Obas Palace, they were kept safe by the same guards that guarded the palace. Why? The Yorubas understood that trade, commerce, was extremely important to the prosperity of their states, their kingdoms, their empires. Therefore, they made sure they protected and hosted traders from faraway lands to encourage trade and to ensure that those traders always knew they were welcome within the Yoruba territory. Knowing the history of a people explains the choices they make, even to modern times, the decisions they make, even till modern times. By 15th century, the court of the Oba of Benin had started sending emissaries to the court of the King of Portugal. The skills needed to trade with the Portuguese, as the Awaris of Lagos did, the Benins in Lagos did, or the Benins of the Edo Empire of the Benin Kingdom did, meant that these people groups had to develop highly skilled systems of diplomacy to allow them to tolerate, understand, and buy other people's culture while still maintaining pride and confidence in their own culture. This is just the tip of the iceberg. 
We had kingdoms. The area was not called Nigeria. We were ethnic nationalities, many of whom were functioning empires, developed systems, large, powerful, ancient. Things worked. When then did things begin to go wrong? It is a well-worn joke, but I must say, what changed? What was introduced? Was there an intervention? What if things had continued the way they had been before the 19th century? What changed? If you know what changed, join me next week. I know it's a well-worn joke, but join me next week to know what changed. Oh God, it's time for change.